Welcome to Roger and me, aka Roger Ebert and me, for search purposes only. We are a weekly movie review podcast modeled after, inspired by, and a tribute to the Siskel and Ebert program, hosted by Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel through the ages, starting in what, like the 70s? Was that the first yeah. episode? Yeah, yeah like early. the PBS days would have been, yeah. The first episode we covered on the show was uh, an episode in which they covered One Floor Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which means it had to be right around 1975, mid-70s. Couldn't be more mid-70s in 1975. Uh, so we are a tribute to that show. We are doing what they did. And by that, we mean reviewing every movie every Friday that is released theatrically. We also cover stuff that is released on streaming. Uh, Mark covers more. My co-host, Mark Dusick of MarkReviewsMovies.com, covers even more than we do on the show. Fully exhaustive list of movies on MarkReviewsMovies.com. I think there's only one that you got to this week that I didn't get to. And that's because I don't bother with trying to get the Disney Plus screeners. It's just too hard for me sometimes. So there's a David Lowry movie. Yeah, David Lowry's Peter Pan and Wendy, um, which is a bit of a disappointment from my perspective because, uh, yeah, I really like his Pete's Dragon and I like him as a filmmaker, but I was kind of let down by this one. Yeah, I feel like the disappointment is I've seen that for most people. There's a couple people that are like, it's it's still good. So I'm like half interested in checking it out. But if you want to read a review of, of uh, see a review of, is it called Peter Pan and Wendy? Yep. Peter Pan and Wendy, go to markreviewsmovies.com for that one. But we've got you covered with 10 other movies out today, Friday, April 28th, 2023. And most of them are theatrical, as far as I can tell. There's a couple streaming ones in there. Um, you know what? I feel like I, I should take a lesson from the B.O. Boys podcast, a box office podcast hosted by... Uh, two friends of mine, Pat and Clayton. I guessed it on it last week, and they start the show, Mark, and they're a box office podcast where they, you know, talk about the top five or the top ten, and they start the show. They say hello, welcome to Bo Boys. We are Pat and Clayton, and then they they immediately start listing the top ten. So I'm gonna take a page right out of their book. I'm not gonna waste time by listing all ten of these movies that were you, you already know because of the title of the episode and how that works. Um, and we're gonna talk about them anyway. So there's no need. Um, so there's ten movies, and we're gonna get right into it. I haven't introduced myself yet. My name is Brett Arnold at Brett Redacted on Twitter. Uh, I host a show called the New Flesh Podcast, horror movie show, and. That's my credentials for being here on Roger Ebert and me co-hosting with Mark Dusick. Just two film critics reviewing all the movies fit to print. Let's start with Are You There, God? It's me, Margaret. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. I'm here to speak to you today about your changing bodies. The blood is released through the vagina. Please, do this one thing for me. Just be normal and regular like everybody else. Just please, 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 please. What I feel, I can't say. I've decided I want you to join my secret club. If you want to be in the club, then you have to wear a bra. Oh. 
You, you think you need one? All right, Mark. Talk me through. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Based on a Judy Bloom book from, I have to imagine, the 70s? Maybe the it's 80s? 1970 was when it was first published. That's right. Um, and the, the film is set in 1970. Um, and I, yeah, I mean, the book has lasted this entire time. It is, you know, kids are still reading it. There are generations who grew up having read it. Um, it is still, for some reason, a matter of controversy as we continue to ban books for some reason in this country. I thought we were done with all that, but right. here and we I are am, again. I would imagine that's because it deals with such taboo topics as a girl getting her period, a thing that happens to ev- like half the country. Is that what you'd say? Yeah, no, <laughs> I think more than half the country at this yes. point. You yes. think like, okay, but anyway, so here we are. Um, and this is the first time I believe a Judy Bloom book has been adapted for the big screen at all. There've been, I think a couple TV movies. So this is like, this is a kind of a big deal. Yes. Um, and I read that she was apprehensive for, for the reasons you're talking about. Like, this book is controversial for reasons that we could argue about whether it should be or not. But, like, she was worried a studio would buy it and sand off all the edges and make it a very family-friendly, not, like, provocative, uh, not true and honest version of the book. So yeah. she waited long enough where she could have that control or if she, you know, or found a director and writer in Kelly Freeman Craig who really got the material and fought for the same things Judy Bloom wants in if there were to ever be a movie version. And here we are. Yeah. Now, I think I think the big elephant in the room is why are we talking about this movie? And I want to point out, I didn't grow up with Judy Bloom's books as far as I remember. And I regret that now having seen this film. I, I, I'll just say it right out of the bat. I love this film. I think it's great. It is likely going to be 10 best of the year at some point by the end, unless something crazy happens in terms of the quality of movies for the next couple months. I want to say right now that Rachel McAdams for best supporting feels like a possible conversation that will be had at the end of the year. Are you, did you get that vibe too? She's great in this. She's very Um, good. It's a very understated kind of great too. She is creating this whole character. She plays the mother to this, you know, 11 year old girl who moves to the suburbs of Jersey and desperately wants to fit in. And the mother wants to desperately fit in too. And she has this whole other thing going on. She creates this entire character out of a little bit of, you know, probably uh, in the story, just a little bit of details, but there's so much going on with that character and she's great in it. Um, Yeah. I, I, it's, it's hard. There is hard when something is this good because you just want to talk about like everything going on in it. I know there's a lot going on in this one. Um, yeah, I had I never think- read the book specifically this one, but I grew up with Judy Bloom big time because she wrote, I think the a couple of years after Margaret, she wrote Tales of a Fourth Grade Nothing, which introduced a character named Fudge, who yeah. became the center of several of her books that would come out through the 80s and 90s uh, when I was a kid in the 90s. And I would read, I read all the Fudge books. I read Freckle Juice, I think. So like, yeah, she definitely looms large in children's literature. But Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret definitely spans, like, goes even further than the rest of her catalog because I think it's such a, a seminal text for young girls, specifically, for so many reasons. So, and I think, and yeah. I think that's the problem is that it is, it has been like categorized and pigeonholed as a book for young girls. It's yes. not, it's a, it, this is a story for everybody. This totally is a story agree. for kids of both genders. It is, are, are all genders. It is a story for adults and parents. And it's a, it's a story for, you know, 
adults who don't have kids and just want to go and see this entertaining movie about characters they're going to recognize both as kids and as adults. Um, yeah, it's a coming of age movie about a very specific point in adolescence that is rarely talked about, probably because of the uncomfortable nature of changing bodies and stuff like that. And it's all done so frankly and honestly and hilariously in this movie that, you know, clearly owes so much to Judy Bloom's book. But I think it, you have to also praise writer director Kelly Freeman Craig, who, who wrote and directed only one other thing called. The Edge of yeah. Seventeen, which is another movie that is like a movie you'd think would just be okay. Like it's like yeah, teen comedy with Haley Steinfeld or whatever, and it wound up being a lot of people's like favorite movie that year. And I think she brings that. Like, what is it about her? Is it, I think it's that honest and realness, I guess, that I'm picking up on. But I'm tangential. Yeah, yeah. I th- again, it's hard. To, it's hard to stay focused because there's so much stuff going on in this, and it's so good. Um, I, I guess I guess I, I do want to talk about more. I think the best way to just come out because, get into it, like yeah, I'm I was shocked. I mean, it's so stupid that I was surprised by this element, considering the title of the fucking thing is "Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret." It's about a girl's crisis of faith, almost. There's yeah. not even old. It isn't about the idea of being young and told. Or not told, you know, find a religion. There's like Jewish grandparents on one side of her life who want one thing for her. And there are very Christian grandparents or whatever on the other side that want other things for her. And it's like her mom is, you know, caught between that herself. And she doesn't want that for Margaret. So she like bans religion, essentially, or just is like, we don't talk about it. We'll talk about it when you're older. You can decide, but we don't have to talk about it now or whatever. And I was just struck, but like, I thought this was a movie about a girl growing up and getting her period and all that stuff. I did not know it was going to be like a crisis of faith, finding God movie, or like what matters in spirituality versus what doesn't. It's just like so potent and all that stuff about like questions you have as a kid that you may still have as an adult. And it's very universal. And I was just, yeah, I was kind of blown away by it too. Yeah, you have that whole, the whole angle of, her looking for some sort of place in the world in terms of religion that her life and all these confusing times need to have some kind of bigger meaning. Um, you have um, the parents feeling both of them feeling like they're not a part of this group of new people that they're in. There's um, the father's played by Benny Safty, which I think is really funny because he just kind of disappears in the background. He's not, I'm not, this isn't, this is not a criticism. He's not a very, you know, charismatic up uh, you know actor and i think that's the whole point the character is supposed to just be in the background there he's not really a part of this and but there's this really funny moment where he's trying to mow the lawn and he ends up cutting his hand on the mower he's just trying to be he's trying to be like the what suburban he thinks dad, the dad should and, be yes and he can't do it yep and it's really funny and there is all that stuff happening along with the um, along with the kids stories too is that the adults are just trying to fit in they're trying not to feel different the kids don't want to feel different that's something that we can all relate to um, yeah I really 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 adored this movie um, I'm I'm very curious to see how it's gonna hold up on a rewatch I might enjoy it even more because I was just so shocked at how much this film covers within yeah the story of a girl coming of age and realizing her body's changing and wanting her body to change so she could fit in. There's so much going on here. Uh, it's a really rich, really funny, and just empathy-filled film. I, I really, really enjoyed it. 
Yeah, very funny, very good. Great performance in, I believe, is it a debut? Is this like a discovery? Abby Ryder Forston? I think she's been in something else, but this is definitely like showcase role yeah yeah she's great all the other kids that her her friends are uh that she's friends with are great um amari price's janie stands out ellie graham is nancy Catherine Cupferer as gretchen i believe uh all the kids are great rachel mcadams career best perhaps performance and i think it's an element that people are talking about because it's like an expanded role from the book where it's like the book's more about margaret and i from what i understand the movie has her pers- the mom perspective and that adds a lot to the movie because it's about mothers and daughters and stuff um it's a really great movie very funny you don't have to have read the book to appreciate it but if you have from what i understand like hardcore fans of the book are delighted by this movie and like think you know it's been a long time coming but they're so glad it's here long um i feel like you know turning red when that came out i was like this feels like a movie that like should be shown to uh, younger people of a certain age type of thing where it's like a perennial movie that will be shown time and time again and this movie immediately to me felt like oh this movie is going to be a classic uh, that people watch uh, as a certain age you know teenagers younger whatever it is preteens I guess yeah um, it's very annoying the MPAA gave it a PG-13 because I didn't even you, think about what do you that do? yeah yeah I ju- I didn't think about it at all until I you know, was getting my review ready and I saw it's PG 13 and they're like, for like Frank discussions of sex head. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, that's what the PG is for. If we're talking about stuff like that, like you're, you are well, the NBAA is basically coming out and saying like, uh, kids, uh, th- under 13 should not be hearing about sex in any way, even like, and th- this isn't even sex. This is just, you know, basic bodily functions. Like, yeah. That's all Anatomy. they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's all they're talking about. And well, I, I'm that's really other, kind of annoyed now that the more I think about it. Well, that's this other that. thing that's happened, right? Where there really aren't like there aren't even G movies anymore, as far as I can tell. There's like the default G is now just a PG, and it's like a catch-all for these kids' movies. And yeah, I think PG 13, they're more willing to just throw it on whatever. Uh yeah, it, this movie could totally be a PG. You're right. It's kind of a travesty. I would love to have seen someone fight for this movie to be a PG. That would have been a, yeah, a worthwhile really be. even if not a fruitful fight, a fruitful PR fight. People would be like, "Yeah. Oh yeah. This should be a kid a movie kids should see." Anyway, it's not going to I don't think the rating is going to prevent people uh, kids, you know, parents from taking their kids to see this, I hope. Uh I'm right there with you, Mark. I'm a three and a half out of 4 on Are You There God? It's me, Margaret. Yeah, three and a half, a very, very strong three and a half out of four for me. And I think it's, like a minus material for me yeah, <laughs> on a I, different rating. I think it's going to do very well, not just because I think like, you know, where the crawdads sing did very well because it's like a best selling book. And that's like a recent thing. And this is a best selling book through the ages. Yeah, it has it has great. It has Rachel McAdams in it. That's another selling point. I just think like this type of movie it has a chance to do very well, and I hope it does. Um, let's move on to the next one, which I found this quite disappointing. I'm going to warn you if you're a child listening. This is a Red Band trailer I pulled up because I <laughs> I didn't look hard enough. But this trailer might be violent, so that's a warning. Here you go. Zisu. Is that what it's called? Zisu. I think they yell it at the very end of yes it like means something very specific in was it Finland it's untranslatable but we'll get to that we'll get to it (laughs) so is the movie (laughs) all right here you go 
you, boys. Get down on your knees. Fuck him up. <laughs> we got gold. <laughs> This episode of Roger and Me is rated R. There's hard violence. Um, all right. Why don't you try describing what this movie is? You know, it's pretty easy, actually. Pretty it is like you could, easy. you could probably one line describe this if you wanted to, but go ahead. Do as long as you want. Um, yeah, so it's Finland in 1944. Uh the Nazis are on their way out as part of like a a treaty. And um, yeah, this one guy is whose name in Finnish means Adam. So I'm just going to refer to him as Adam. It's like, yeah. it's, I mean, it makes total sense. The first man, he doesn't do much of anything except kill people. Um, yeah. He's digging for gold. Um, he's trying to get out and start a new life. Cause he's, you know, got a, to- a tortured haunted past and he comes across some Nazis who try to steal his gold and kill him. And he ends up killing them and then spending the rest of the movie being chased by and then attacking them. And that's, that's, that's the whole movie. It's Should just... we give away the element that I don't know if that trailer is going to give it away, but there's like a, let's say supernatural element to it or something that I don't know if it's worth discussing, but it's kind is of, there... it's kind of movie ruining, I would say, or is like there... stakes I mean... ruining. Well, he, yeah, it suggests, well, it's suggested, it it's yeah. suggested he has a reputation of being the immortal yeah. because he fought the Soviets when the Soviets were, you know, allied aligned with with the nazis um before switching over um and killed like a whole bunch of people and nobody could kill him and so he got this reputation of being the immortal and it really does feel like he is sort of immortal yes um, and it gets through a lot of stuff it it completely ruins the stakes for this movie for them to declare up top and repeatedly that this man is immortal like at this movie is clearly trying to do some john wick type of thing where it's like a guy that everyone knows and is afraid of and that's like the, the appeal is watching him go to town on on unsuspecting bad guys or whatever and in john wick he has like you know an ability and agility whatever like to avoid getting killed and you see it in action and you understand it and it doesn't strain credulity to be like this guy's impossible to kill they fucking can't kill john wick it's amazing and you never question that in the world and then in this movie, they just lazily go, yeah, he's immortal. And then I feel like they just give, like, they constantly are shooting him and beating the shit out of him or stabbing him. And you think he's going to be dead at any point and he just doesn't die. And he just, so that doesn't, there's no stakes there. It's just, it's not interesting to me. And the movie is clearly the people who love it are going to sell it as, what more could you want? It's a guy killing Nazis for 90 minutes. And like, I agree that sounds fun on paper, but in execution, it's quite fucking boring. He doesn't talk. He's silent, which, again, cool in theory, but in practice, you're just a lot of nothing going on. It's a lot of waiting around for stuff to happen. And then when the action does kick in, it's quite underwhelming. That scene you saw in the trailer is up top and honestly the best action that happens in the whole movie, I feel like. And because the sense of surprise. Because it's a surprise. Night- <laughs> that knife and, i wasn't expecting exactly that. it was and the rest of it is just regular action that you'd expect i keep seeing people describe it as mad max and i'm like that is such a fucking stretch but just because it's like in the desert it, it's mad max it's just completely ridiculous it's not post-apocalyptic in any way really um i found it to be 
kind of fucking tedious, like not even kind of tedious, very tedious and extremely underwhelming for a movie that selling point is hard R violence. We're killing Nazis. It just should work much better than it does. Why doesn't it? Um, I think the big thing is I was waiting for those moments of imagination and of resourcefulness from this character and they show up every so often there's a scene in the minefield which shows like a bit of resourcefulness and again surprise some fun kills uh, a yeah. mine is implemented in a way i wasn't expecting it to be implemented i agree here. i enjoyed that um yeah. there's a section where he's underwater and he has to find a way to get some air and he does so in a very surprising way yeah there are there are isolated moments where you're like oh this is the movie this could have been where it is about how resourceful and clever this guy is in terms of how he kills people and also how he's able to survive. But those, those moments are few and far between. There is a lot of like downtime of like the Nazis talking about this guy being the immortal. That's why I'm checking my fucking watch the whole movie. Like what, when is this going to get to it? Yeah. There's a truck of women who have been abducted in theory for some very, Uh, very awful things by the Nazis. And they're just, they're saying that act. reminds me now i know why people are calling it mad max they just are seeing oh, lame yeah because of and, the yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah of that part yeah um i yeah i was also underwhelmed and i was wanting to enjoy this a lot more because there is that initial shock of like oh this is going all out and yeah against nazis please do go all out do everything you can to these guys i don't care um and let me enjoy it with all this violence and do it in a way that i haven't seen before um but eventually it just becomes all routine it's the same thing over and over again um i don't i don't know by the time i got to the over the top finale which i don't want to talk about because it does go like way out there um i just was not invested in any of it and yeah, one last over-the-top kill of a Nazi wasn't enough for me to be like, oh, yeah, this is this is a solid action movie. It's not. Um, I think it yeah. was a colleague of mine, Brandon Streisnig. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Sorry, Brandon. Um, he said that it puts more effort into self-satisfied applause breaks than doing anything remotely interesting. And I was like, you nailed it. Yeah, yeah there are uh, a lot of pauses here. Now you think yep. about it with that. And he... I've been... I feel like I've co-opted his statement. He said, you're going to hear a lot of it rips from people and you can't trust those folks or whatever. And I totally agree. This is a movie that people who say movies, who say this about movies, they go, it fucks. If you say that about a movie, you'll probably enjoy this. I'm sorry. Um, That's a me very, I just lost at least two people on this episode. Um, I don't know. It doesn't work for me. Trust me. I really wanted this to work. It doesn't. I'm two stars on this two dead nazis out of four <laughs> uh the other two nazis uh for me so yeah just <laughs> <laughs> a different set of two dead we gotta nazis. make sure the nazis are dead so you kill off two and i'll kill off the i'll other take two, two you take a different two now we got okay. two stars each we wouldn't want to use the same two stars or two, exactly. two you know what i mean all right <laughs> this one is this is a this is a weird one let's talk about hold on but i the, the let's get the title they're using in the marketing on screen here because it's this not is on the, the movie disappointment screen. of the week. I'm just going to say that right yeah. away. So I'll get into it when we talk about the episode, but the title for this movie, I thought and it's in the commercials as far as I've seen. And it's in all the marketing online. It's the way it's presented. As far as I'm concerned, it's on the poster, big George Foreman 
the miraculous story of the once and future heavyweight champion of the world. Once and future? You think he's going to do it again? He's like, isn't he like eight? Is he is he alive? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, he's alive. I know he's alive. I've seen, I saw this film. <laughs> um, but I don't think he's going to get in the ring anytime soon and become the heavyweight champion of the world. So maybe they realized that and changed the title before the movie came out. Um, we'll talk about what actually appears on screen in Big George Foreman. Live one way your whole life. Heavenly Father, thank you for this food. George should change his name from Four Man to Poor Man. <laughs> What's my name now, fool? Foreman is the new heavyweight champion of the world. Where's all that rage coming? Don't have any rage. And it becomes all you know. Let's thank God for the food, y'all. I bought the food, mama. George Foreman ain't no new champ. He is the new chump. We gonna get it on because we don't get along. Foreman, go stop! Who said that? You ain't said nothing, George. George, George, Your heart stopped. We thought he was dead. Or worse. All right. I just I want to point out that was a Futurama joke. I was <laughs> that yes. moment. Oh my <laughs> god! A, literally a Futurama joke. I thought you were dead. I was. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was... Well, oh, okay. That moment is actually key to this movie because this movie is not one movie, and I think as Mark pointed out in his review, it's not even two movies. Really, it's kind of three different movies, and. One of them is a pretty traditional uh, boxer biopic, right? And then the other one is a pretty standard faith-based propaganda film that is about how Christianity or God or whatever you want to call it is the only thing that matters in life and will guide you and all that shit. So what I found so funny about this movie, first and foremost... This is a reverse 65 situation. Um, I have to call that out first and foremost. Big George Foreman, the miraculous story of the once a future heavyweight champion of the world is not the title that appears on screen. It just says Big George Foreman. And then underwear, underneath it adds based on a true story, I believe. Uh, 65, if you remember, was marketed as 65 all over the place. And then you got to the movie theater and it said 65 million years ago a visitor crash landed on earth and i added those pause pauses because they had it took time to reveal the title uh it's not the title i'm just kidding anyway not neither here nor there for big george foreman the thing i found hilarious about this movie it cannot wait to finish telling the part where george foreman was a boxer and as a viewer, you might be going, I understand. They have to make time to talk about his grill empire that we all know. His namesake grill that like has become a household, literally a household object and a household name. And you'd expect that like, hey, okay, because they're rushing this boxing stuff, like he goes from zero to heavyweight champion in like an hour. And he doesn't even, it's not like one of those movies where like he wants to be a boxer. It's he's a poor kid who gets into fights and he has to channel his aggression into boxing. Someone helps him do that. And he does all that. And then by the hour mark, 
he's already peaked and he's and then he finds god because he almost dies there's like there's like two different things that spur his god i forget what the other one is but like um sister has a medical that's right. crisis yeah his sister has um a baby problem like a pro- like she says like she's giving birth and it's like something bad happened and then he prays to god that they think that the baby be okay and the baby's okay and it seems like a real this the way a christian movie presents it cause and effect right <laughs> he prayed for this and then it happened so it's got to be god and then the re- the second half of the movie or the second third and mark take the rest uh is him becoming a preacher which apparently he's been since like 1985 and is a big part of his life that the public probably doesn't know about because i thought i knew george foreman i don't think i knew that but and i understand that the director i read a really funny review mark on letterbox it was the first thing on there before there was actual critics were able to see it and it was a guy who goes to free press screenings all the time and accidentally found himself in a exclusive to preachers screening of this movie um and the director was there and all this stuff and they and the weird thing is that's the type of movie this is right a movie that they can screen for preachers and at this screening mark what they were doing was to asking preachers how they're going to use the movie in church in their lesson or whatever they do and they're not their lesson they're pre when they're preachy thing whatever they do i'm clearly not a man of god yeah <laughs> um but it's just so st- it, what he said at that screening the director said George Foreman would not let this story be told unless it was focused on his on on God and his pivot to preacherdom. And boy, do you feel that in this movie because it can't, as I said, it's hilarious the degree to which it's rushing through beats to get to the head. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He becomes heavy a champion of the world, but then he finds God and it's much more valuable and boxing sucks. Fuck boxing. The movie keeps being like boxing sucks (laughs) until I have to meet the kids where they are or whatever that scene is. And then, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot going on here that doesn't Too much. work. Too There's much. a lot going on that doesn't work. And I could have appreciated if it had been about him being a preacher in the second half. Except then the movie also feels it's as if it's in a rush to get to his big comeback. Which means right. it doesn't take any time. And so that whole section in between where he becomes a preacher, it almost feels like the premise for a sitcom. Yes. Because it's Big George out on the street preaching as people are coming up and say, hey, when are you going to fight again? When are you going to fight again? Why'd you stop fighting? Or Big George at home and he's trying to lose weight and his wife hands him some oatmeal instead of pancakes and he looks very upset about that. It's like, yeah. it's so basic. It yeah. doesn't want to explore his faith in also, any Also, we can say, I'm going to say poorly acted also. I, yeah, I'm. It yeah, has that, I'm, it has that low rent quality to it that i have to attribute partially to the acting but there's also more elements going on that are i was yeah i i didn't i didn't mention his performance in my review but i think chris davis who plays foreman i mean he has he has a really tough job he has to play george foreman from like a teenager until yeah like in the 90s maybe i it's it's a long stretch of time and it's not convincing uh, because it's all like in the hair and in the facial hair. That's all they really change. Yeah. Um, I think he's got, I think he's got Foreman smile down. That's not, I mean, it's... it might sound like a backhanded compliment, but I mean, at <laughs> least you're like, Oh, I recognize that look, you know, that's yeah. the smile that George Foreman does. I get it. I really did like um, 
Sullivan Jones as Muhammad Ali. Yeah, he's I thought great. He was really good. He he's comes great. in and just takes the whole movie away from everybody I else. Know. It's a problem. It's a problem for it's the a movie. Big problem that Ali shows up and you're like, oh, they should make a movie about that guy. <laughs> you're like, oh, they did, and it won Oscars for people. Did did he? He didn't. Did Will Smith? He didn't win for that. No, he didn't win. He, he was nominated. Yeah, obviously yeah. he didn't win because it was a huge deal when he won for King Richard. Yeah, yeah, just because of his performance in his career. That's the only reason it was a big deal. He uh-huh. won. That's it. <laughs> yep. Nothing else That's happened. It. Nothing else. No. Anyway, um, yeah. So I mean, that performance stands out. I think he's really, really good here. And I was like, I, I did like wonder, like actively, I wonder what Muhammad Ali is up to while George Foreman is out preaching. I just, I had those thoughts. Um. Yeah, I, it's it's just a letdown because I was I was kind of involved. I was interested in where I was going to go. This idea of a kid who is so angry at the at the fact that people look down on him and disrespect him, and he doesn't want to feel that way, um, and channeling that into boxing. I thought that was at least an interesting yeah, focus. But that's so um, that again, the movie's rushing through these beats so fast that like it just starts to feel like a almost parry like like big like walk hard style of a biopic where it's just like yeah yeah get through this get through this get through this get through this it feels like a lot of people love to call these uh, biopic movies like wikipedia summaries and this one does feel like that um but did the faith-based stuff rub you the wrong way or did you think it worked fine i thought it was i thought it was a fine balance uh, in terms of like storytelling it, it tells it it tells the part of the uh, the first part of the story and it gets into that i really wish if they wanted to explore his conversion and his faith and how important that was to his life that they actually treat it with a bit more sincerity and seriousness instead of just feeling like this is the thing we have to touch upon so that the big comeback at the end will feel like a big significant deal instead of actually like because it's a huge contradiction he's like i'm never gonna fight again i can't even make a fist anymore because of his conversion, obviously something I mean, I feel like a couple of doctor's appointments would probably clear up why he went through that episode yeah. and had all those experiences, but whatever, forget all that. Let's just, let's just take it at that. He is sincere in his belief, which I do believe he is, but the movie doesn't feel like it's along there with this character. And that's, I think the big downfall for it. Yeah. It's just like preposterously fast until it slows down and it, then it takes forever. I feel like, it's like over two hours long. It just kind of is a limp movie that, you know, if this was a, let's just say, if this movie was better than it is, you would have probably heard of it <laughs> instead of it kind of sneaking out into theaters. I don't, maybe they're marketing it more than I'm, I've known, than I've seen. But from as far as I can uh, I, I understand, it's really being snuck out there. And there was one other person at the screening I went to. I don't know about you. How about you? Um, I was with another critic who was covering it um, as well, and that was it. it was the two well, that's <laughs> oh my god, it's it's perfect though. I love when it's I love when there's two people and you can tell the second person is a critic too. <laughs> You're like, yeah, they didn't screen this one. <laughs> uh, that's very funny. Um, I think I'm going to end up at one and a half on George Foreman. Yeah, that's exactly where I'm at. I think it's serviceable as you know a biography yeah. at the very beginning. Um, it's worse as it goes that's what i i agree i was with it too until it like you know became what it wanted to be and it wanted to be a thing that highlighted his christianity but you're right they did like get back to the i guess i see why the future heavyweight champion part comes out once and Um, you have to look at that non-existent subtitle as it's right there in the middle point he was once world heavyweight champion and then he's going to be it in the future Um, yeah it's all there spoiler alert for that title actually i mean yeah 
Because no one knows the story of George Foreman. That's why they got rid of it. Uh, Not enough grill stuff in the movie. Do you agree? There's one reference to the grill. It's more about barbecue sauce. It's more about the barbecue sauce he's selling. It's a very strange choice to make in your movie about George Foreman. Maybe that was another sticking point for him, though. You know, maybe he's like, yeah, you can't talk about my fucking girl. Yeah, don't make me look like a fool. Just have me want pancakes really bad. And instead, I get oatmeal. And I look sad. Don't make me yeah, look like I a mean, fool. the biopic stuff. That's where, like, it really stumbles to is like all the stuff with his first wife and just the way. Oh, all that yeah, yeah. Like, oh, I bet he's going to cheat on her and she's going to yell at him. And just like everything happens the way you'd expect it to. Um, it, it's not a good movie. Um, what else do we got here? Next movie. I saw this at. Sundance, I believe, but I remember it well enough to talk about. This is Polite Society. Let's talk about it. Here's a trailer. I'm Rhea Khan. I am going to be a stuntwoman. My sister Lena is the only person who believes in me. Want to help me with a vid for my channel? She helps me with all my training. You are going to be such a great stuntwoman. That was dope, But lately, she's been seeing this guy who I think is a bit of a smarmy wanker. You know, it's a trap. Oh my God, Rhea, chill out. Now, I'm not being dramatic. But these people are evil. I found something. I've got my eye on you. They are not taking her away without a fight. I will strike down you or anyone else who tries to get in my way. This movie has its moments, Mark, to be clear, but ultimately underwhelming despite being quite charming up top. Is that how you felt about it, too? Yeah, um, I was really into it for a certain part because it's about this very close family and i bought that entire sister relationship right at the start and i was really invested in that um i like the the two stories of two sisters who have these big dreams and they're struggling to try to achieve them um and then you know one of them kind of gives up on the dream and so the younger sister's like well if you give up on your dream then what's that say about mine i was totally invested in all that stuff um but the big hook is the younger sister played by priya kansara is in martial arts she wants to be a professional stunt person and um it's hard to tell if all these big fight scenes that happen are fantasy or reality or some combination of them i was never entirely certain um there's like the the sisters have like this knocked out drag out fight in the bedroom and the parents are just downstairs like hearing overhearing it and you're like wait is are they actually like drawing blood and burning each other's faces. And then like the next scene, none of that ever seems like it actually happened. It's a little, well, it's a little thing, but I think it's, I yeah. Think it, I mean, yeah. that's, that's totally fair. I, I would, it's hard to call this movie visually inventive because it's so clearly like ripping off other movies. I feel like, like it's very much trying to be like Edgar Wright style or something, plenty of inspiration, but that one felt most noticeable. Um, but I really vibed with the hyper stylized. We're seeing the world, how this character sees it. And it's kind of like the surreal version of it. Um, but you're right that like it doesn't mine it into the reality of the movie particularly well. Um, but that stuff works. And the very simple plot of a girl doesn't want her sister to get married and leave and start a family of her own, becoming that action movie plot with a nefarious scheme 
involving her sister's room being prized or whatever. Like it's cute and it provides for fun comedy, like that waxing scene as a torture and interrogation thing. That was pretty funny. Um, I think it loses the plot by the end. Um, like, I don't know. I just didn't need when they made the guy. Uh, I don't. I don't need to spoil the movie. Yeah, I didn't a- need the way it manifests, and I've had it explained to me in a way that someone who loved it, like, almost made me think it worked. But I still don't think it works in the way that I want. Like, I was enjoying the the one the movie I'm talking about, where it's like a manifestation of this girl's anxieties, and not the world where like oh, this is actually happening in the world of the movie. And I didn't, I don't, yeah. So I guess you're right. That it ultimately does come back to be the same criticism. You yeah. 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 My big problem with it isn't necessarily that there is action. It's that eventually the movie lets the action take over and overshadow everything else that's going on there. Um, that's the big thing. That third act is all action. It's like, you know, stealth missions, infiltrating this wedding and doing all this other stuff, big fight scenes, big chase scenes. And you're like, okay, that's fine, but that wasn't what drew me into this story. It had nothing to do with the action. It had to do with the characters. It had to do with the relationships. It had to do with that idea of dreams and what happens when they're put, you know, shoved off to the side and disappear. What do you do with all that? That's what I'm into in this movie. Um, not so much the action. I did like the, at least the start when she starts investigating the guy. There's this really, really funny scene in the gym. Yeah. Um, where she's like in disguise. Yeah. She's a really funny physical comedian, by the yes. way. I just, I have to point that out. She does this like, like three moves to just become more like a man um, when yes. she's in disguise. It's, re- it, I was dying just from that, those three gestures that she does. Um, and that's, you know, that stuff, that stuff works because she starts realizing like maybe these two, the, the, uh, the, the groom to be and those mother in law to be aren't that bad. It's interesting. It's an interesting idea that, you know, challenges her her fantasy and maybe her dreams and all that stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm into this. Third act, all action, all that other stuff out the window didn't didn't pay off for me. It just yeah, and under the third act really undercuts all the things I liked about it. But if there yeah, I don't know. I don't want to get into spoiler stuff, but there yeah, is an explanation yeah. that like the movie is about breaking the cycle of Pakistani women being sold off or, or, or arranged marriage off or whatever it is. So like, there's like value to how it ends, but like, yeah, it definitely lost me in the third act, but it's cute enough to like, say if it, you know, if it if the trailer, like spoke to you, I would say, go see it. But if it didn't, it's not going to do anything for you. The trailer is a good sell uh, of what it is. Uh, two and a half polite societies for me. Yeah. Yeah. Polite two and a half for me as well. <laughs> Um, I'm shocked by how much you hated this next one. Um, Mark, I, uh, yeah, I'm not going to spoil how I'm not, I guess I already just did, but I'm not going to say to what degree you didn't like it, but let's talk about the artifice girl. Do you recognize this girl? Yes. What's her name? Jerry. We think we can help you. But we need to help her. You don't understand. Who is she? I'm asking you politely to let this one go. She's a child. You can't trust us. I'm told I have trust issues. Well, there's only one way to fix that. The reason you can't find Sherry. The reason why she doesn't have a last name or parents or a social security number. It's because she's not real. She's not a real human being. What is she, Garrett? She's chat GPT. 
She is AI. Another very well-timed AI movie. The Artifice Girl, more of a not definitely not like a sci-fi movie in the traditional sense of like action-packed or insane visuals. It's more thought-provoking, dialogue-driven, very stagey. It could have been a play. There's no budget. And still, I found it at least for probably two-thirds of it, I would say. I was really into it. I thought it was impressive in how it was thrilling me with just like an interrogation scene. And even though it felt kind of like TV procedural, I was still very invested in all the ethical and moral questions coming up while discussing things like AI. I was definitely interested in all of that. I think it loses itself as it goes, maybe, or it just like, maybe that's my own problem with it. Like, I don't think it's, it's doing one very specific thing and it just does that through and then it's over. And like, maybe I wanted a little more from it, but it does feel like it's more of a conversation piece than like anything you're like, really remember in terms of what happened in the movie but like i went after watching like the first act i think i watched it like in two halves and it was one of those moments where like the i watched the first half i was like this is great i can't wait to finish it i told my wife about how cool it was and then i went to finish it and i was like okay the second half wasn't as good like that didn't that didn't really work for me uh where are you on this one and why did you i'm confused now wait i'm confused because i had the exact same reaction where i'm like the first act is yeah it's really solid it's a you know, it sets up this whole situation of these three characters in a single room, and it feels as if there are stakes there, because I think we can broadly talk about, so it's like two FBI agents, they bring in this guy yeah. who might be involved in, you know, online child exploitation, yeah, and they're trying think, to get at the yeah. heart of what he's doing. Um, yeah. And then you realize it is this entire other thing about AI, um, and yeah, I was, I was kind of hooked right at the start, and then... Yeah. Second act, there's um, without giving away too much, there are there are two other acts. It's very cleanly divided, which I think is a big problem with it, um, because it just limits what is going to happen and what it can do. It's like three acts in three rooms, and that's it. Yeah. Um, there's also a time jump with each one, and it just kind of undercuts everything because you're like, oh, you're invested in this story of like, oh, now we know the FBI agents know about this AI program. The AI program is going to be doing this stuff. What's going to happen? And it feels like the second act shifts and becomes more about this ethical, moral discussion about AI and our responsibility as human beings in terms of how we treat an AI that could become that advanced. Um, and I don't I, I wasn't sold on it because it just feels like it's loading all of these ideas into it without putting them into a dramatic frame in any way. I, as soon as that first act ends, I just didn't see where it was trying to tie these stories together. There's also this backstory about the developer of the AI who has this traumatic event in his past. That's never really brought up except it's suggested. And then it seems as if it's, you know, it's resolved in between, it's hard to tell what's going on. I just didn't find it very dramatic. I thought the ideas, in theory, were interesting. I would have loved to have had, you know, a more in-depth conversation about this if that's what it's going to go for. But it's also trying to be a story, and I can't tell what it if it does what it wants to do. I didn't find the performances too convincing either. There's a lot of tech jargon heavy dialogue in this, yeah. and a couple of the actors are clearly overwhelmed by them. Mm -hmm. um yeah there's a child actor here 
and it's no fault of hers at all. But like, that's a lot well, for a kid to when talk. When they had through. her use the word gaslight, gaslit, I was like, okay, <laughs> it yeah. definitely lost me at the end too. I mean, w- nothing you're saying is wrong, but I think I have, <laughs> I appreciated, um, I appreciated the ethical, the ethical moral debate questions, like the idea of manufacturing consent like is it can this ai person basically they're using an ai person to lure pedophiles right like that's what this movie is about or what you think it's going to be about but it's not really about it's about that in the abstract because it's it's a it's rather talk about what that means for humanity that we're doing that which i think is interesting but like it you're right it doesn't sustain it as a movie i think the first act is fantastic it's like a four star first act and then the rest of it, it gets worse as it goes. And I may actually end up at two and a half. I I, I don't think it's a full throated, even a three star, like it's a three out of five, but not a three out of four. It's too strong. It's definitely a two and a half, but I love the ideas that are in play. And I love that it explores the idea that, you know, an AI, which like to a person seems like a, uh, uh, an improvement on the human brain because you have a clear focus and a clear purpose and therefore you probably wouldn't feel miserable if you had feelings and this gets into the idea that no ai's maybe do would feel miserable if they were hunting pedophiles only like that was the only thing they did um it brings up such interesting debates about that thing about feelings and oh what about the likeness he used to make the ai is it a real person there's implications there is it fucked up to exploit a real little girl her image all these things are brought up and Mm -hmm. right the movie isn't a very dramatic interpretation of all the things i'm saying but if that stuff intrigues you enough this movie i think is worth watching with a huge caveat that like it starts really strong doesn't really go anywhere that you want it to but it still intrigues me enough like i love the implications of all the questions that it brings up so i'm two and a half you're like okay you're I'm two. Oh, no, I'm two. Yeah, I I'm think two I on must it. have. I must I have. You... Um, may I have to look at my email? I feel like I uh, an image didn't render or something, and I saw that in my mind you gave this movie one out of four, and I was like, wow. Oh, okay. no, I think that's a. I think that's a different one we're going to talk about. <laughs> oh, fascinating. Okay, well, let's move on. Now oh, I can't wait to get there. I um, was. I will say yeah. I was a little harder on this movie at first than I kind of thought about. It. I'm like, okay, but that first act is really strong, and there is some interesting conversations happening but yeah my big problem is it just doesn't turn into drama and that's that's the big problem with it so i might have been like a little bit lower on it and maybe my review read a little bit more negative than i actually ultimately feel about it but i'm i'm two stars low two stars two stars i respect i respect the move let's move on and talk about rmn E nevoie de cineva să te îngrijească. Un salt? Regăsești om la orice. E ceva de muncă? Nu prea. Eu era angajat la fabrica de pâine. E palești ceva. De aia nu știu, nu putea lua. Dau salariul pe economie. De ce se angajează străini pe locurile noastre de muncă? E normal așa ceva? Sorbalor, cealalt sărătui îmberec. Eu de obosat. De az emberek már nem akarnak olyan kenyeret venni, amihez ők hozzáérnek. 
Să nu te apropii niciodată de animale sălbatice, nenarmate. Am aici lui ceva ca să supraviețești. Trebuie să știi să te bați. This is a very good, very ambitious movie that I feel like it requires a lot of the viewer to pick up on like like even the title. Like did you pick up on like what RMN meant or like the movie tells you, but like I don't know. It's one of those movies that like you the viewer has to put in some work to understand all the elements, I feel like. But once you do understand what it's going for, I think it's quite powerful. Am I just stupid? Did you get everything? Um no, I mean it's it is tough to it's obtuse. initially get into yeah. because it it is it doesn't even start in Romania. That's one thing that you kind of have to realize and as soon as you so it starts in Germany. So the whole movie is essentially about the modern day European economy in terms of how yes. people work that they don't work uh in their homes anymore or like in their hometowns anymore or nearby where they live and sometimes a lot of times they have to move to a different country because the jobs in their country aren't available to them um and that's what's going on and then there's also issues of migrant workers and workers coming from outside of europe and coming in and doing jobs in these countries um and it raises a lot of you know uncomfortable things going on here which is that essentially like you know i mean this is the way the world is and people are having a hard time accepting it and they are uh mad and they are um they're full of doubt and uncertainty and they don't know what they're doing and they are looking for people to blame and who do you blame if you don't want to blame yourself which is i think the big the other underlying theme of this movie is somebody else yep anybody else um and yeah as that's what this this film is about and it becomes very very uncomfortable to watch this small town just start to instead of looking inward and seeing what's going on with them and what they could do like if this used to be a mining town the mine closed because of you know right uh, uh ecological regulations and all that um and so those jobs went away um there's a lot of people living on you know welfare um a lot of people are leaving and going to other countries. And then when they bring in the foreign workers, instead of looking at them as like, oh, you are exactly like my brother who is now working in Germany. Instead of looking at them like that, they look at them like you took that job that could have gone to somebody here. But nobody applied for that job yep, within the town. It's yep. like it's really tricky and it's, it's really thorny yeah. and it's really thoughtful and uh, upsetting um, to watch all this happen. Um, A huge. Because, yeah. yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. Just because people can't realize, uh, see themselves in other people. That's yeah, really- that's huge. And like, I think what the director said in an interview that I really latched onto was he said, ultimately, it's a movie about this huge distance between what we think and what we say. And I thought that was really interesting. And he even goes on to say, I'll have people at screenings for this movie say one thing at the public Q&A and then afterwards in private to me say something different about how they feel about this type of issue. And it just goes to show that like the image we project of what we think is different than the way we, what we actually feel. And like, yeah, the inherent hypocriticalness of human nature. This movie's about xenophobia. It's about, it's about so many things and it's really well done. And like, that's what I'm, what I was getting at with the RMN stuff is like the movie's title is RMN is basically the Romanian acronym for an MRI. So this movie is like the director doing like 
a cinematic brain scan of the country and trying to find the racial, social, political, and emotional illness that's in the national psyche. Like it's that's why it's such like a heady title that I was saying joking up top. Like it requires some work on the part of the viewer, but if you do that work and you get at what he's getting at, I think it's a very powerful movie about I mean, I don't, does it have answers? I don't think so. But it has an unflinching look at the issue that nobody wants to talk about. And I think it's fascinating that he says it's based on a real town and a real thing that happened in Romania. So much so that that 17-minute long take, that's like a town hall argument, you can watch it on YouTube. Like, it exists. Oh, really? Oh, and wow. And he basically took it verbatim. And he's like, it wasn't that hard because it exists. And we were able to just kind of recreate it. But like... It's taking a very real life issue like xenophobia and talking about it. And he, uh, like he, um, he makes a good point in the interviews I've read where he's talking about, you know, everyone thinks people with right wing horror like beliefs like this that are like these foreigners shouldn't be in my country. Essentially, he's like those people don't get engaged with because the people on our side of it refuse to engage with them on the topic because of the inherent we think it's disgusting that you feel that way. So no one actually interrogates why they feel that way. And in with this movie, he's trying to interrogate that and just start conversations. And unlike the last movie we just talked about, which was to me a conversation starter movie about AI and ethics, this one is good and dramatic and tells a story while also illustrating a larger point. So that's why it's a good movie versus the last one not being a good movie, right? Yeah, I was I was really invested in this. I loved the way that that main character, um, who's you know, he he beats up a guy, he beats up his boss in Germany and has to flee Germany and come back home, and that's the whole reason he's back home. Yeah, and you realize like, oh, this guy has got some deep seated psychological issues going on, um, and so you you feel sympathetic towards him at the beginning, and you realize like, oh no, he really needs to kind of figure out some things about himself, and that having him be the reflection of the greater society and where all those feelings are coming from. Cause he, he yes. doesn't have like any set beliefs. He just yes, goes along M- with what, yes. Yeah. He's going along with whoever is close to him at the time, basically. Um, Which is how so many people live. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's really good. I don't think the ending pulls it off again. One of those things, like, can you blame the movie for not having any solid answers? Exactly. Um, I exactly. think I know, I think I know what the ending is going for. Um, I don't want to say no too much about it. Yeah, uh, no uh, bears. No bears. <laughs> but well, bears. Um <laughs> bears. Oh no, there are bears. Um, um yeah. I don't want to yeah, I don't I think it's I think it has something to do with like if you think of if you think of the world on like a bigger scale, we are all immigrants. We are all foreigners to yeah. certain parts of the land. I think that's what it was going for. What was with I don't know if you're a huge Wong Kar Wai guy, so you were able to pull that she's constantly playing the in the mood for love theme when she's practicing the cello or whatever. Oh, it's one yeah, of my favorite bits that. of score of all time. I didn't notice that. So I, just like when I heard body double in air recently, I was like, Ooh, and I heard this and I was like, Ooh, and I don't think it ever paid off in any interesting way. Or maybe there's, it could be as simple as the director loves that score. <laughs> yeah. And that's that, probably that's, it. That um, sounds right. But yeah, this movie is very impressive at the same time as I, I want to, say it's not as impressive. Like, I love this director's previous film called Graduation. Me too. Um, yeah. Like four out of four, great movie to me. I love it. And 
the other one he did is also quite good. The abortion movie. What's it? It's like uh, four, four months, months, three, three weeks, 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 two days, two days. Yeah, that's yeah, the that's one. a good one too. That's another good one. So, and this one's it's I, it's only damning to say it in because I love graduation so much that this is like a letdown or something. But like, it's quite good. It's a very good, understated, slow, kind of long movie. A lot of people don't want that out of a movie. It's not in English. That's another another knock against it for some. But if you're into this type of foreign film it is it has quiet power in it and i think it could have stood to have louder power maybe but like it is it is good it is very good three out of four for me yeah three out of four for me too um let's jump to another um kind of comparable in a way understated good indie let's talk about the eight mountains non pensavo di trovare un amico come bruno nella vita Né che l'amicizia fosse un luogo dove metti le tue radici e che resta ad aspettarti. Just a flash of light in the endless night and it's done. Ciao Bruno. Ciao Pietro. Guarda che c'è un mondo fuori da qui. Non preoccuparti per me. Questa montagna non mi ha mai fatto male. Oh wow. I just noticed in that trailer. That's the first time I realized it's from the director of Broken Circle Breakdown, which I like quite a bit. Um The Eight Mountains. Mark, talk talk me through this one. Uh this is a this is a pretty big one um in terms of the scope of it it covers a friendship over the course of about 40 years starting as children um these two kids they're like the only kids in this small uh town in the italian alps one of them is coming from this uh, naples i believe the big city and he comes out there with the summer with his parents they become immediate friends because they're the only kids around they hang out all the time um the kid goes home um to back to the city during the fall and those goes to school comes back in the summer they they meet up again all this happens eventually they lose track of each other because the kid is growing up and realizing like he doesn't want the life that his father had and he wants to set out on his own and figure out something uh so he goes off on his own and they lose track and then they reconnect because the father has died and um they build a house together in the mountains that the father wanted to build it's such as it, this film snuck up on me so much because oh, i wasn't sure yeah. it feels like it's it feels like it doesn't know what it's doing um and then as soon as they meet up again and they start building the house and they start talking about like the father and how much the father meant to this other boy the other guy so that the son didn't know yes. yeah yes. the son didn't know about that because the son wanted to leave the father behind because he didn't think the father was Essentially, that kind of guy to do like, something like that. Exactly. He wasn't capable of being that loving dad that he wanted, despite. Yeah. And like, it's just, oh, it's such a, it, it is a, um, it is a huge movie. You're right. It's about fathers and sons. And it's about living the life you want to live versus the one you're, you thought you, you, you could have had even, but like, you don't know if I'm not even putting a value on it. It's just about living life as someone who left the coop versus someone who stayed versus what you get out of each of those relationships in life and how maybe going off to find yourself or to be a writer or whatever it is that whenever you leave the house for like, is it worth it or would it be better? Would it have been a better life if you spent it 
with your family, getting to know them because like, what is this angst we all have? It's always like the dad's dead and then you feel bad about it. It's like, instead he could have lived a full life with his dad who was very clearly looking for that relationship because he had it with this other guy. It is quietly so fucking sad and good. And it maybe goes a little too on the nose with its metaphors and stuff like building a tree in the middle and being like, you know, trees are very strong where they sprout, but they're very vulnerable when moved. <laughs> like, and then the tree doesn't grow at all for the rest yeah. of the movie. It's like, yeah, I get it. Okay. It definitely but- lays it on thick with metaphors, but like, I don't care if you do that, if the movie, like, it tracks with the movie and the movie does deliver, like, does it follow through on that metaphor? Does it show you that that's what happened to those characters? And I think it does. And I think it is quietly so powerful. And about, yeah, I mean, as someone who like left home as soon as they could for reasons, you know, who knows? We all feel the pull or we don't, right? I can't really explain why I couldn't wait to get out of home. Uh, But like this movie speaks to that in such a unique way that I've never seen a movie talk about. And um, yeah, it's just this tragic. It's a tragic story. Um, The other guy, uh, Bruno, he is his experience is like he uh, he lives with this kid's family because his family isn't around anymore his dad left all, his dad is one that left so it's all about there's always like parallels right and it's just about how choices affect lives and who they affect and the it, it's i i can't gather thoughts there, because it's so profound yeah I, it's I found it to be there very are a profound. lot of there's a lot of calls and answers. There's a lot of echoing. There's a lot of mirroring going on. Like the father, the last time we see the father, he pulls over to the side of the road. Yeah. Um, and there's a moment where the son does the exact same thing yep. because he has this realization yep. going on about the father. And you feel that pull of like these decades passing, but how much the past has a hold on you. Yeah. Um, Are we doomed to live out our father's lives and repeat their mistakes? All those things. It's it's all right there. I was yeah, I I was I was really moved by it by the end and I was shocked by that because it does take so long to get going. Yeah, I can't I can't emphasize enough that it is a slow and it is a quiet movie. Slow if patient. You let it, yeah. If you long. let it take over and if you get involved and you t- pay attention to what the characters have to say about these deeper ideas, it's it's rewarding. I I, I uh, there's a moment when you cry if I talk about it. So we see them climbing the mountain early on, and he has a panic attack and he can't do it. And presumably he takes that memory and it's a huge part of his life, and it's part of why he left, presumably. You can just infer whatever you want about it. But later on, you f- see the dad's notebook, right? And his recounting of that day and yeah. what, what he felt for that kid. And it is like I'm gonna cry right now. It is unbelievable. It is. I'm like I'm struggling not to give it a full four, but if I, I don't want to just because like it is long. You do feel it, like it's slow, but it's. But I also that's part of it. It is part of it. Yeah. Are you not? I think you were at three, and I feel like I'm at three. Yeah, I'm at a very strong three. Feels long to me, but I'll allow it. Okay. Yeah, I know it's a strong three. I was yeah, yeah. It's deeply, deeply felt, deeply powerful in one of those things where it's like this specific story feels personal, but is so universally specific to feelings everyone has in life. And it's just, it's another movie about like the gulp, the gulf between what we think and what we say. Like that was an interesting way to describe RMN. Now I'm thinking about like, it's just like 
and don't fucking talk. That's another thing this movie is is about. There's actually that helped crystallize the whole thing too. There's a line later on where someone says about their mom, like, "Oh, don't worry, mom is used to living among silent men." It's just, yeah, men don't fucking talk about anything or like the most even crucial things like wisdom from dad to the son that would have changed the course of life like men just don't fucking think to talk about it so yeah and it's a good thing because these two guys could meet up 10 years later and and it's like nothing has changed and it's a bad thing because you know it takes an entire lifetime to be to sit down and say like oh maybe maybe living like this wasn't the best idea i don't know anymore (laughs) yeah man as someone with like social anxiety as someone who has like a control problem in life where i just want to be in control at every moment like these are the things, the thoughts, like the big life choices that eat at you. And this movie's gets at all those things. It is. It feels one of those movies like tailor made for me. I love it, but I have reservations about recommending it only because it's long and slow and uh, all the things people say about really good foreign art films sometimes. But it's man, it is fucking great. Three and a half stars for the Eight Mountains. I'm very. Cool. I, I knew that it was going to be good because of how often they were screening it here in New York. They were screening it constantly. And that doesn't happen unless I feel like they're confident in it. And uh, I hope it plays in a theater near you. And if not, check it out on VOD soon. Very powerful, strong film in the eight mountains. Now let's pivot to something completely different. All the rest of these movies suck. <laughs> Say that right now. <laughs> uh, let's start with the, the end of sex. I think they, they suck in this order. Like <laughs> this one sucks the least. And then the rest as oh, we I go. Think, I, I think we're in controversial territory. Here, I, think I have a little uh, valley in the middle here. <laughs> oh, interesting. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, let's talk about uh, the end of sex, right? Is that what you have next? Okay, cool. Yes. The end yep. of sex. How often would you say you and Emma are having an orgasm? A, once a day, B, twice a day, or C, you're constantly in an orgasmic fog. The minimum in there is, is, is once a day. How the hell are you? I married Josh, actually. You married your boyfriend from camp. Wow, that's so adorable. These past few days, I've been thinking a lot about sex. You've been thinking about the sex of people who aren't me. Our sex has become mechanical. So let's surprise each other. I just want to do something he would never expect. Like a threesome. Come over for dinner? Yes. <sighs> so I'll start, I guess, unless you were rearing to say something. But, no, go ahead. I'm okay. curious. Um, the size said a lot. It's, <laughs> it's every joke in this movie, Mark, is the most obvious joke possible in that scenario. And each of those jokes is then beaten into the fucking ground and goes on way farther than it should. That is this movie in a nutshell. I don't even know what we to say anymore. Do you agree with that description? I agree that it every <laughs> joke is the most obvious one. I disagree <laughs> that it takes it way too far. and that Not even too far in terms of like I... good taste or anything. Just too yeah. far in terms of like, I get it. This isn't funny yeah, anymore. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I still found at least parts of it kind of funny. I okay. like the two leads, Emily Hampshire from Schitt's Creek and Jonas Chernick, who also yeah. wrote the thing. I think they're both funny. Um, I think they both play these roles really well with a certain level of like desperate energy. I think it's fine. Um, 
Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. I, I, there, there were lines and moments in here where I laughed out loud. I was, there's the moment of, you know, she suggests the threesome and there's just this one line. She says like, don't you think that Josh is cute too? And it, it, I was laughing really hard at that moment just because it's so awkward. I don't think that that, that scene plays out exactly the way you think it's going to play out. Well, no, but it goes too far and that it's fucking stupid. Like, I I hated that. I thought that was so stupid. The whole premise is inherently stupid. You have to think about this. Like, you have to think about this as a comedy, as a, like, over-the-top sex comedy. Because if it were, it it has to be stupid to be funny, to try to get to these jokes. Because otherwise, if a couple realizes that their, their sex life has become non-existent or dull they're going to try a couple of different positions they're going to maybe introduce some toys or something into the relationship they're not going to say let's have a threesome with my best friend from work yeah that's not what's going to happen who you secretly have- has a crush on me and is in love i know with every it's so funny come on he's funny too there's funny stuff in here they're funny the cast is funny this has colin mockery show up in a yes, scene he that does. would have been highlight would have been completely awful except he is so funny i uh, it's a, a very Canadian people. movie. It's a very, very Canadian movie. In case it isn't clear, Colin Mockery has a has a glorified cameo in this. That's how yeah. Canadian it is. But you know what I realized? Colin Mockery is so good at deadpan, he needs to be the next uh, Frank Drebin if they do the Naked Gun movies again. Oh my god, that is fucking brilliant. God. That's that's the casting I've been waiting for, and I don't know why it never connected until watching him in this movie. I'm that's like, oh, brilliant. he needs to be in... There it is. Okay. Because anyway, there was no I, one who fit the Leslie Nielsen profile to me that could have done that. And that is exactly right. Wow. There it is. Cool. I threw that into the universe. I cannot wait for next year. Colin Mockery in the Naked Gun 40, 444. Yeah, that's, and we're going to see that's, the, the power of the Roger and me bump. They're going to definitely listen up. to this and, uh, and make it happen. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah. I, my big problem with the movie is that it eventually stops thinking it's a comedy and it starts trying to take oh God. all these issues seriously. And it, when it becomes serious, it's deadly. When it becomes it a movie yeah. that is earnestly about this couple finding each other or whatever, it fucking it's hard to take. Yeah. I found yeah. it. Yeah. The earnest stuff didn't work. Yeah. There's no joke. It doesn't want to beat into the ground. Um, I found the broad stereotypes of married life and what kids are like, you know, what having kids is like. All that stuff is just so lame. And that's what I mean by it does the most obvious thing possible. I just yeah. every step of the way, I was like waiting for it to like do at least do something to make me laugh. And maybe it did a couple times, but I couldn't tell you what they were. Um, it's definitely a what I thought was a generous two stars for me. Oh, gee, we're on the same. We're on the same page. I'm giving it two stars. It's so too. funny I mean, when we feel so differently, but end up. I know, at like the same you, place. <laughs> the stars mean nothing. They are they irrelevant. Don't. They don't mean anything. Um, it's all right. a ruse. Don't buy into the. Oh stars, yeah, people. no, this one is the one I forgot that you act. Now that I'm seeing yeah. it, I'm like, oh yeah, you did hate this one. Um, let's talk about Clock, a movie that I give the benefit of the doubt a little more than Mark, but. I agree. It's not very good. Um, here is the trailer for Clock on Hulu now. Ella, when are you and Aiden going to have kids? Ella doesn't want kids. Why don't you want kids? Well, you want kids. Um, the family is everything. I have a family. Don't worry. Your clock will kick in. I mean, what do you do all day without kids? I've been through this a million times and I'm happy with or without kids. I really wish I believed them. There's a couple of empty chairs at the table. Dad, can we not? 
don't want children. I never have. I actually don't have a clock. All women have a biological clock. Maybe yours is just broken. A new biotech firm doing a clinical trial this month. I can get you in. It is the singular evolutionary goal of a species to procreate. All right. Another entry. A movie that hammers home its point. <laughs> yeah. Well, yes, it does. But at the same time, it can't commit to any one fucking idea. And it does like a hundred of them. And it ends up diluting what I think could have been a pretty decent little movie about horror movie about being pregnant and the horror movie about not wanting to be pregnant in a world where everybody wants you to be pregnant, where people can't understand a woman who doesn't want to have kids. There's a great nugget of an idea here. We've seen um, similar fare, right? Like there was Husera, the bone woman. I feel like definitely a yep. way different type of horror movie, but it gets at that exact thing I'm talking about and what this movie's trying to talk about, the societal pressure to have a kid and what that does could do to a person. This movie goes about it in a way that I don't know, arguably doesn't work very well and then gets bogged down by other stuff. Like it ends up becoming like kind of a Jewish horror film about the Holocaust in some ways that I didn't really feel like fit into this movie in in, in any fucking way. But it gave it it gave the movie a spooky Slenderman scary lady to to have in it. So maybe that's what it was for. But yeah, as as you can see, this movie throws a lot of things into the pot. But I was interested in it before it did that. And I was interested in the implication that, Mark, it's one of those things where I can't tell if the movie actually posited this thing that I think about it or if I'm projecting that onto it. Because there's this idea. I'll, I don't think anyone's going to care if I potentially spoil this movie, which I, I will try not to. But like, there's something about the idea that society would... Re- like would not want these people who don't want to have kids to exist. Did you think that this movie was getting at that idea that society would not want people like if society found out about a woman who doesn't want a kid, maybe they would take that woman and uh, haul her off to an institution and make her play make believe. Is that what this movie posits or am I projecting a really much cooler plot onto this movie? I mean, if if I, I think you're, are you implying maybe that, the backstory of this is that there's like some kind of government program, like secretive government program going on. Is that kind I think of, that's, yes. I mean, that could be an interesting hook. I think, and it, I think the big yeah. problem with this is that it doesn't have any focus of what it's exactly. trying to do. That's they, why I'm asking is because yeah. I took the one thread of the fucking four or five that this movie threw at me. And I made my own version of the, of this movie that I think works. And I genuinely, refuse to watch it again and decide if that's actually in there or if i was like oh the twist is she's not going there to spoiler alert sorry i can't help but talk about it because i want to um (laughs) spoiler alert if you don't want to know but i thought the twist was you think she's there to get this thing to help her give birth because she her blot her clock's broken we're gonna fix you but instead they're there to be like oh you're a woman who's not fit for society we're gonna keep you here and you're going to kill yourself. Eventually. Oh, I get you. I get it's you. It's a no, big conspiracy. I, think, I yeah. no, I think it's, I think it's even dumber than that. <laughs> I yeah, think see, I do, I'm right. I think the whole I think thing I, is, I think I punched I think the up whole this movie. Thing, I am. I, I'm not going to spoil what I, what I think happens here, which makes absolutely no sense, but I think it is a plan set up by a character to get her into this program 
so that she will want to have a kid. Except mm. that that makes no sense because she she presents this opportunity early in the movie. Um, and then you ha- if you if you think about that, like what is why does this character do the thing that it that it says that he's doing? I don't. It, it makes no sense because the movie is really just trying to get at this message that hey, isn't it terrible that society forces women to think that they need to have a baby to feel fulfilled, um, yes. to become a mother to feel fulfilled? It's like yes, it is terrible. Um, could you make a horror movie that is actually scary and has some kind of logical consistency? You're yeah. right. All the Sarah bringing up. Yes, please. Who Sarah goes check that out if you haven't seen it yet. I mean, it's really good <laughs> and it's scary and it's thoughtful and it doesn't go the way you expect it's going to go with that kind of story. But this one is, I, it didn't go anywhere I thought it was going to go because it is all over the place. It is introducing like this idea of the Holocaust and the father haunted by her your grandmother. Have, yeah. What? Literally haunted by her grandma. I, I, yeah, I really hated this movie because it has no sense of any kind of logic or consistency. It doesn't know what story it's trying to tell. It's just, it just wants to get this message out there. And I find the message to be so simplistic and obvious that, like, are we real? Do we really need to have a whole horror movie that is like chiding people who would say, like, it's <laughs> that women should have a baby? Like, like women need, need to, to chide. I think, right, yeah. I hope we're at this point in society yeah. that it's okay if people decide they don't want to have children. But it's, I yeah, guess we're it, not. I don't it, I don't see the whole point of the movie in the first place. And the way that it's executed makes it even worse. Yeah, I mean, I hear you. And I think, I, I, I still can't, I, I, I brought it up the way I did because I, I, I read a bunch of reviews and I read like ending explainers and I haven't heard anybody posit what I think happens in this movie. I haven't seen that written anywhere. So I just wanted to put it out there that like, I thought it was pretty obvious that like, that was what the ending was saying is like, oh, actually society hates women that don't want to have kids so much that they, you know, institutionalize them and force them to suicide essentially. Or like you could read it as, I don't know, pregnant women don't force women to have kids. They'll kill themselves. I don't know. It's all very simplistic and fucking stupid. Yeah. Cause Um, then you throw in this whole other thing. There's, there are so many twists happening at the end that I don't even know if the movie knows what the actual ending of this movie is and what's happening. Oh, isn't there a part where like they they show a prosthetic dick on screen and it gets like marred by her, in thing by, in her by the implant yeah yeah i forgot which about is that. also a contradiction to the whole thing that's set up earlier because it, if the whole plan is what the plan seems to be at well the then end, i'm right i'm right mark yeah i didn't want to watch this movie again because i hate i didn't like it that much but like i watched it three or four weeks ago so i was really struggling to be like did this fucking thing end the way i think it does and i think what i'm getting at is it did it just isn't very compelling at getting that idea across. So maybe it doesn't come across. And because there's like 15 other ideas happening. Yeah. But I think that that bolsters my idea, my point, which is that <laughs> the whole, the whole, my idea, I'm taking credit for it. I wrote this. I wrote this movie. Um, it does take that idea to its extreme by having something sharp in there, cut a dick that would come in it. Like that is backing up what I would say, even though it also falls on its face with the premise of the movie is supposed to be that this thing would help. I, I understand why it's silly. I don't know. It's very, I just very think silly. it's, it's a dumb movie. That's trying to be a good movie about, um, the idea of society forcing women to have kids, but yeah. I can't believe it. It throws a Holocaust thing in there and it throws so many other things in there. Um, 
I feel like yeah, they're all they're all there playing pretend with their pretend babies in the in the thing at the end. I feel like that's what I remember. Yeah, I mean that's part of it, but also like, it, but is that like what you're suggesting it is, or is it just that the treatment is working to get them to want to get to that point? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. There's no real. There's no it's a mess. It's a mess of a it movie. It's a mess. Um, there's that part it's, where it's she impressive. like. Almost is it like she has a vision of smacking her friend's belly with a baby with a huge book with a yeah because it's a giant tarantula on her <laughs> yeah. on her tummy and yeah, then I... the, <laughs> the nursery the German expressionistic nursery <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> the, the nursery of Dr Caligari <laughs> yes exactly oh my god it's yeah. impressive how Get Out is like one of the best things that happened in the horror genre and also one it, of the worst yeah, because inspired... of how many people try to imitate it. Like yeah. we need a we need our horror movie to have social commentary in it. Yeah. To the exclusion of everything else apparently. Yeah, that's a whole subgenre that has exists now and I we've reviewed several on the New Flesh podcast and now at least a few on this one. Um yeah. I'm a two stars on this ultimately. Oh, that sounds generous. I'm one star. <laughs> All yeah. the way one star right. on this thing. That's fair. All right, let's wrap this thing up with another stinker. This is The Black Demon. It's a shark movie that, honestly, I don't know why we're talking about this. This feels like it should have been on sci-fi. This does not feel like a real movie. But here you go. Here is The Black Demon. It has Josh Lucas in it. He's a real actor. He was in The Forever Purge. Um, Here's the trailer. Black Demon. Have you spotted any pirate ships? Duh. Duh. Are you going to get snippy with us, Bob? You know, actually, I think there was a good restaurant right up here. Whoa. A lot has changed since the last time we were here. Uh, my name is Paul Sturgis. I work for Nixon Oil. I'm supposed to ferry out to the rig from here. Dad, I think I see it. Is that it? Yep, that's her. I'm here to do the inspection. What is it? Protection. Protection from what? Mom? Hello? Anybody? Where the hell is everyone? I kept letting that terrible trailer play because I was hoping it would get to the fucking shark, which is a great uh, simulated experience of watching the movie. It's almost the same thing. Um... I appreciate, Mark, that this movie is so heavy-handed, honestly, about that it's yeah. like it's about an oil executive getting comeuppance for building an oil rig that fucked with the local land and created a, or unearthed a megalodon shark. And, you know, what better fodder for a shark movie than, like, the environmental angle, like, finding their way in? I appreciated that, and I wish the movie didn't absolutely suck shit because it would be worth praising for that alone but the movie around it mark it is bottom of the low the lowest rent possible uh everything very cheap shark effects that are the opposite of convincing the most unconvincing you've ever seen looks like playstation 2 graph one graphics ps1 graphics it's very bad um and it becomes this melodrama about their family being stuck on the rig and it gets really like with the most generic strings score, very melodramatic crap about saving the family from the shark. But again, it's just it's a, a hundred minute movie with how many minutes would you say the shark gets in this movie? 
Uh, very few, like especially that you can see. I think that you can see the shark twice, under one minute like, in broad daylight. Under um, one minute of shark footage for sure. Yeah, it is yeah. shocking the degree to which the shark isn't in this thing. Um, it sucks. What else? What do you have to say about it? Um, I am, yeah, more or less on board with you, and I don't know. I don't know where again. The stars are irrelevant. I'm at like one and a half, and I'm curious where you're at with it because. We're both on the same page with this, and I have no clue why I'm giving it like a little bit of a bump. Except, I think it's that environmental it, message bump. I'll tell you exactly. Yeah, why. I, yeah, that might be why too, because I think it's a good idea to just. I think it's a great I, out there, great bones of an idea for a shark movie because I feel like most other shark movies don't care to get that granular about the reason for the shark being there, and I appreciate that there is an yeah, there's an explanation here. There is an explanation. There's a, but there's also like a lot of other stuff like. Aztec mythology getting introduced in it for no reason except that they need to give the shark a name apparently I think that's the whole point of throwing that in there yeah um there is there's a lot when you don't have the budget to show your giant shark you end up having a lot of scenes of people talking and talking and talking and that becomes very repetitive when your whole when your whole point of the story is uh oil drilling in the sea is bad for everybody and it just becomes repetitive i'm like i appreciate the fact it's doing that um it's unfortunate that the movie has this guy thrown in as you know the sacrificial lamb for people much higher up who probably deserve a lot more criticism but the movie avoids that yeah. For some reason, by having basically, the Josh Lucas figure in here, who it makes him like a, the, he's the like face a, of it. It's so weird because isn't he like a freelance safety consultant or something? I think yeah. that's his role. <laughs> it's kind so of horseshit. Yeah, it's got a, It's strange. Um, I I was I think the stuff some of the stuff with the shark when it's underwater is okay. Um, I was I I mean yeah, it doesn't look great, but that scene of the shark leaping out of the water with the boat is at least. You know, it's something. <laughs> it's, wow. Yes. I don't. I don't know something. what to say about it. I. <laughs> I. I'm not as. I'm not as. Um, uh, negative on it as like the last movie or anything. So that's where we're at. I'm like, it's not a good movie. It has an interesting idea. I don't think the visual effects are that bad. I think the. I think the movie knows its limitations, and so yeah, you have a lot of scenes in murky, oily water that you can't tell what's happening. But at least it knows that. I don't know. Yeah, you're you're really struggling to convince yourself. I'm really I'm, here, but I appreciate I did, there that. isn't. Yeah, I didn't. There isn't. It's it's a it's you know, a giant, yeah. It does have a giant shark in it. Look, it ha- it's a giant shark movie that has a giant shark in it. Yeah, That's giant it. shark isn't there enough. There's a lot more oily water than shark yeah. in this movie. You know, you get the gist. He signed off on safety things he shouldn't have, but like the way it breaks down is so the blatantness of like I was told I did the safety check. And it was really bad. And I turned it in. And then the guys were like, hey, you like your big cushy job? You like your money? You like your house? You're going to lose that report. And I lost the report. I changed it. Like, it is just so labored and stupid. And like, they gave it one draft of an idea. It's all first draft stuff. Um, yeah, it's a one star movie. But I understand. Okay. Mark, give it. Or Actually, no, I, I, I said I'd give it a one and a half because I appreciated that it was trying to say something. And it's sure we go. So one and a half, and uh, we agree without agreeing, as we often do. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Uh, all right, we'll be back next week with a lighter load than 10. Oh, boy. I think. Yeah. Maybe even... It's a, it's a nice, slow week, finally. We Is yeah. it possible, possibly five or less? 
I think so. I mean, wow. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is the big one, and then there's a the Priyanka Chopra Jonas film that I'm hoping to get a, a screening of, and then yeah, I don't know what else. But we'll be back next week, which will be May May fifth. This was Roger and me for the week of Friday, April twenty eighth. Take it away, Alien Ant Farm. The show starts in one... Shut up. Ush. <laughs>